So today we celebrate the feast of the transfiguration of the Lord. The feast where Jesus was manifested among selected disciples, Peter, James, and John, that he is the Son of Man indeed, and therefore, as the Son of God, they need to listen to him. Our first reading from uh, the book of Daniel, the prophet Daniel, prefigures this transfiguration where a vision is seen in heaven where they saw the mighty one sitting on his throne and everything about him was dazzling white, very sparkling and difficult to behold. But then he also talks about somebody like the son of man who receives dominion and he is the one who is given glory and kinship and all people, all nations, all languages would serve him. And uh, Daniel says that his dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not be taken away. His kinship shall never be destroyed. But that kinship we're talking about, is Jesus' kinship a worldly authoritative kinship or a kinship meant to serve his subjects? Kinship that is meant for the benefit of his subjects. And that says he did not come to be saved, to save, but he came to be saved and to offer himself as a ransom for many. So Jesus in John's Gospel, for instance, is presented as the king whose kinship was manifested especially on the cross. His enthronement as a king is on the cross and the cross becomes the throne of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is so because John's Gospel is the only gospel where the purple cloak that symbolizes the kinship of Jesus, though these people were mocking at him, that was the reality. And he goes to the cross with that robe, the royal robe, the purple robe. And Pilate rides on top, Jesus the Nazarene, king of the Jews. And his universal kinship is expressed when this inscription was presented in different languages so that passers-by could look at it and identify the one on the cross as the royal messiah, the king who lays down his life for his subjects. And indeed, during the entire trial, with Pilate, it was nothing about blaspheming of Jesus like Matthew and Mark. It is all about whether Jesus indeed is a king. That was the trial vow. Jesus is the king. But his kinship is about his ransoming many through the losing of his life on the cross. So today, on the mountain of transfiguration, 
we are told that Elijah and Moses appeared to him. The fullness of divine revelation, the, 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 the law, the prophets, and the Christocentric revelation come to focus when the three of them are on the mountain and the glory of God becomes manifest. And they were talking about what? They were talking about his exodus, talking about his passion and his death and the resurrection. You know, so his exodus is the reason for being a king. He comes in order to give his life for his subjects. So today, when the people, Peter, James, and John, saw the glory of God, they were so baffled and immediately said, Lord, it is nice to be here. Let us build three booths, one for Elijah, one for Moses, and one for you. But Jesus is only showing them what is in store for them. Jesus is going to go through his suffering. And he knew very well that the apostles and the disciples of Jesus were going to get scattered. They were going to get so much disturbed and disillusioned about their aspirations and hope. So Jesus wanted them to have a foretaste of what is in store for them. And we always say that at the end of the dark tunnel, there's always the light of hope. And that hope and glory is manifested on the mountain so that they would stand firm and forge ahead even in times of difficulty because they knew that something awaits them. So that was not the opportunity for them to stay on the mountain. It was an opportunity for them to have a foretaste. And so yes, what Peter said is nice to hear is true because after all, who would not like to be in heaven? Who would not like to be able to behold the face of God, the glory of God in eternity? And the Lord says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So in other words, in order to be able to stay here permanently, in order to experience this glory forever, you need to listen to my son. He is indeed my son. Listen to his teachings and follow his footsteps. That is the only way for you to experience this beatific vision forever. Dearly beloved, we are children of God. And anytime we come to the Eucharist, we come to consume the Lord. And once we consume the Lord, we encounter him in this special way, experience his exodus, we are to become transfigured ourselves. In other words, we cannot come to encounter the Lord and go back the same. Once we come to encounter the Lord, there should be a transformation in our life. We can never, never be the same again. And that is why Peter, his second letter, tells us. He said this beautifully, that we ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. 
Moreover, we possess the prophetic message that is altogether reliable. You will do well to be attentive to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. So in fact, there's supposed to be a light shining in darkness and we are supposed to be the bearers of that light because we come to consume our Lord. We come to be with the Lord. We come to experience the transfiguration and when we go out there, we carry the light the dazzling light of Jesus into our darkened world. We live in a culture of death today. And I believe that if Christians will carry the light of transfiguration, if we will allow Jesus to transfigure us, if we will like to listen to the voice of Jesus and live that life, we will be able to illumine our darkened world and bring about hope, bring about life, bring about light in our darkness. May the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, the spirit that animates the life of the church, help each one of us in our process of transfiguration that we will become the children of God that Jesus Christ envisaged when he gave his life on the cross for us. Amen.